Keith Collins is going to come and speak to us today. Amen. Well, good morning. Praise God. It's an honor to be back here at River of Life. Always a joy to come home and to be able to minister the gospel here. So thank you, Pastor Henry and staff and all those that are here this morning. And um, for those that don't know me, I was actually raised in the county here and um, have known Pastor Henry and Beth for many, many years. I won't say how many, but quite a few. We both have grandchildren now, so it's been a while. But he was actually one of the first um, pastors that trusted me to preach in his pulpit when I was about 16 years old. And then um, after that, some years later, um, was blessed to be on staff here for a season. So we have a real strong connection. I just have a real heart connection to this ministry and also to this county. So it's just a real privilege for me to be here today. Amen. Amen. Well, I've enjoyed the worship this morning and every song that has been sung is really right in line with what the Lord put on my heart to share. So I want to open up with a word of prayer and I want to talk to you this morning on what I will simply call the transforming power of the gospel. Amen. Father, we thank you for who you are in our lives. We thank you for the power of the blood of Jesus the power of the name of Jesus. And we ask today that you would speak to our hearts, that you would change us, that you would transform us more into your image. Father, I pray if there are those here today or even those that will listen later by way of the internet that do not know you or maybe that have strayed from you, I pray, God, that today they would experience your love afresh and anew. I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would bring divine conviction leading to godly sorrow and then unto repentance. Lord, that you would restore, as David said, the joy of salvation in the hearts of individuals. And Father, that you would bring salvation to those that do not know you. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, as I um, prayed and just really asked the Lord what I should share this morning, um, you know, many thoughts came to my mind and I, I felt like that the Lord, and I've kind of been on this journey for the last probably seven months or so. Um, you know, I've, I've been preaching now. This is my 35th year preaching and teaching the gospel. And he's had me on a journey over the last seven months. It's been an interesting time with the whole COVID-19 and that shut down all of our international travels. I was in 16 nations in 2019 and I've been in one nation over the last 14 months or so. And it's been good. I mean, God's really renewed my heart for America and for revival in America and really for the, the local church model that, that Jesus gave his life for. And, um, you know, I, I'm blessed to, to preach in so many different venues, to teach in schools and things of this nature. And sometimes I, I feel like we get so good at teaching and preaching that we fail in a lot of the American church to really preach the gospel anymore. And um, it's interesting, you know, when I look at a program, um, I wish I could say Florida State, when I look at a program like the University of Alabama, <laughs> you'll see a lot of talent there and sometimes you'll see like these amazing plays. But if you'll notice one thing about Saban's style of coaching, you'll see a group of men that are addicted to fundamentals. 
And if they're not, he's up in their face, even if they're ahead by 30 points in the fourth quarter. And, you know, there, there's something to that. He, um, he takes this group of men and he trains them and he disciplines them, but he's religious, I believe, and he's adamant about the fundamentals of the game of football. And sometimes, um, you know, we, we leave the fundamentals and I think preachers become more motivational speakers in modern church life than preachers of the gospel. And there, there is room for motivating, there's room for encouraging, and I, I do some of that myself, but I, I'm, I'm convinced that America needs the gospel. What color county needs the gospel, friend? And the amazing thing about it is it still works. It's not just some, you know, book of antiquity or relics that, that we, we talk about what God used to do and how God used to do it and how God used to move in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s and the 90s and all this stuff. But this, this gospel is still transforming life after life after life. And I want to preach the gospel to you today. I want to read a few places. Um, turn to Mark's gospel, chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Mark's gospel, chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 this morning. It says, now John was arrested. Jesus came into Galilee. Or now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The time is fulfilled. What time? John the Baptist, who is really a, he's like the end of the era of the Old Testament prophet, so to speak. John is proclaiming, there's one that's coming after me. He's mightier than I. I'm not even worthy to, to undo his shoes. And in other words, the time is coming. The, the, the Old Testament Jewish prophets prophesied that a Messiah, this messianic figure would arrive, would arise from the, the root of Jesse and that, that he would be the fulfillment of the promise of God. And here we have the gospel Boom, right in your face. Jesus has arrived. The kingdom of God has arrived. So what is the response when the kingdom and the king of the kingdom comes near? The response is to believe the gospel, to repent and believe the gospel. Now, 2 Corinthians 5.17, one of my favorite passages of scripture, the apostle Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation the old te- or the King James says, a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come, or that which is new has come. Now, the, the picture here is not just someone that was having a bad time in life and there was a little alteration and now their life is a little better. Now, this is an extreme picture that, that Paul gives us, and I'm gonna read some more from Paul in just a minute, but, but Paul says, listen, we literally become a new creation when we are born again by the Spirit of God. It's not that we say, okay, I, I had someone tell me last night, I was doing a wedding in uh, Monticello, and after the service, uh, a brother came up to me that had been in church at one time and kind of left the church, and, and his terminology was typical, and it's not bad, but he said, you know, brother, I really feel like I'm supposed to get back in church. 
And yeah, you do need to get back in church. But, but listen, you can be involved in a church and not be born again of the Spirit of God. So I just lovingly said, listen, man, that's great. You need to get in a local fellowship, a local church. You need people in your lives that can support you. But do you know Jesus? Even your initial experience that, that brought you to church, was it the invitation of grandma and mom or dad to come? Or have you ever been born again of the Spirit of God? You see, I, I believe that there are many people that sit in churches that are a part of congregations and, and they have a certain level of belief in God and maybe even a certain level of a fear of God and they love God and, and they love the word on a certain level, but, but there's never really been fruit of repentance in their life. There's never really been this transforming dynamic that takes place in their heart. And I've brought this example up before and I'll bring it up again and our brother that I'll mention is with the Lord, but, but I saw one of the most amazing transformations, and I could go into my own testimony, but there was um, a former best friend of mine's father who used to be a state police in this county named Ronnie Serber. And I know that the Lord used Henry Jones to minister to him. And when that man changed, he changed. Some of you might have known Ronnie Serber years ago, and he's with the Lord now. But, but when I look at that example, because I knew him... And we were even scared to be at the house when he would come home in the afternoon because we didn't know what he would be like. But when I saw the transformation in his life, you could see it in his eyes and his face. You knew that something supernatural had happened. He became a new creation in Christ Jesus. He wasn't a man just going to Sunday school and church and a Bible study. No, he had experienced the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead, Paul said, verse 1. You were dead. Now, the word dead there, the, the Greek word there um, is actually um, nekros or nekros. And it literally means a dead body or a corpse. That's, the, um, that's like the, the meaning in the original text. He said, you were a corpse. You were like a dead body. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God. Amen. Somebody say, but God. But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Paul said in Romans, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, friend, this, this picture of salvation, of the power of the gospel is the answer. It is the remedy for the human race. It's the remedy for the political problems we have in our world. It's the remedy for the social problems we have in our world. It is the remedy for the church of America and the world. This is the truth that sets the captive free. That, that humanity can be made alive in Jesus 
Christ. And, and I want to I wanna share some, some things with you today because I, I believe as we look at the, the writing of Ephesians, this letter that, that Paul writes to Asia Minor in the first century, and we look at the, the, the somber background of the reception of this letter that, that he writes to the church there, uh, a society that is um, steeped in idolatry and perversion and um, the, the temple worship of Diana or Artemis, whether you're the Greek or the Roman word there. But I mean, just a lot of lasciviousness and, and sin and promotion of, of perversion. And it's into the midst of this dark hour, this dark place that this letter arrives and Paul the apostle describes the, the utter pessimism of humanity in their fallen state away from God. But then as Paul is such a master at doing, he contrasts what mankind can be through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, you were dead, you were a corpse. In other words, you had no ability to really even understand the kingdom of God. You see, before I was born again on January the 24th of 1985, just right down the road here, before I had that experience with Jesus, I, I had a level of belief and even a level of fear, but I did not know the kingdom of God. I did not know the, the power of his love. I had not yet beheld the horror and the bloodiness and the glory of the cross of Calvary. Those things were foreign to me. They were sometimes spoken in certain settings. But before I became a new creature, it was kind of sometimes in one ear and out the other, even though God was probably planting seeds in my heart. But when Jesus Christ transformed my life through the power of the gospel, You've heard these people say, man, when I got saved, the sky was bluer, the grass was greener. You ever heard people say that? That really happened to me. I could even smell better, I believe. I mean, I was so transformed by the love of Jesus and the power of the gospel. I was made alive from death to life. This supernatural transaction took place in my life. And what I could not do for myself, you see... I could not make myself want more of Jesus, right? Matter of fact, try to serve Jesus just through religion without a relationship and you'll get burned out real quick. I could not make myself want to witness to the laws. I, I, I could not make myself even really understand. I mean, I understood some things, but, but the Bible on many levels was, was foreign to me. But when this refreshing realism of the gospel arrested my heart through transformation, friend, I, I fell so in love with Jesus. I got saved on a Friday night. <laughs> Monday morning, I stood up. Remember the old tables in the lunchroom at Wakalaha that would fold down with the round plastic seats? I stood up Monday in the lunchroom on that little plastic seat. And I just, I didn't know what to say. I, I just knew that I had to tell people what happened Friday night. So I began to share my testimony, and I won't mention the name, but one of the math teachers came and put his arm around my waist, and I was a little smaller then, and pulled me down because he thought I was disturbing things. But I got so in love with Jesus. I remember we would, me and a few group, a few boys, a group of us, we would pray 
on Friday night, sometimes all night, and we'd go to Florida State University on Saturday and preach the gospel. And they would mock us, some of them, and laugh at us. But man, we were so transformed by the gospel. Something was stimulating our hearts. We were born again by the Spirit of God. It wasn't just a noble thing to do. Listen, I believe when we study even the lives of of men and women that have been willing to lay their lives down for the gospel, it is not sheer nobility and religious fervor. I believe many of these people that have went to even foreign lands even 100, 150 years ago, in times that are not like today, when it would take three months to get to your destination. Listen, there was something in their hearts. They had been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was not an option whether to go or not to go. There's a Hebrew word where Isaiah says, Hineni, and it literally means, here I am, Lord. They, here I am, God, send me. What has happened to me, I have to share with the dying world. You see, when the, when the church loses the message of the gospel, we lose our ability to effectively evangelize. We lose our ability to, to effectively pray for the lost. We lose our ability to, to burn with passion for the supernatural manifestation of the kingdom of God in the world that we live in. And we have to rely on learned behavior patterns. But when the gospel becomes real, Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm knocking on the door of 53. It's not old, but it's not 33 anymore. And um, listen to me. I want to spend my next 53 or 52 or 53 years, whatever the Lord gives me, but I, I want to spend those next 50 years by the grace of God winning the lost, whatever the cost, making radical disciples that have a heart to make disciples. Disciples that have encountered the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning. Listen, concerning this power, and we, we talked about no grave being able to hold us down. Listen, God has given an ultimate historical demonstration by raising Jesus from the dead and exalted him over all the powers of darkness. However, there is a further demonstration this morning. And that demonstration is that he has raised us up and exalted us in him. Not that we're exalted personally, but we have been raised up. We have been crucified with Christ. Even the the process or the, the picture of water baptism, we are buried with Christ. But we are raised with Christ in resurrection and in new life. You see, there is this historical picture, what happened to Christ, the, the ultimate sacrifice for our sin because of his willingness to lay his life down. Now you and I are crucified with him, but we're also resurrected through the born again experience to newness of life. And we are not the people we used to be. So let me, let me give you some, if you're a note taker, here's, here's some points here for you this morning. I believe there are truths regarding humanity and the gospel that, that we must recapture. The church must recapture and proclaim these truths once again. Men and women, again, have risked their lives because of this truth. And I believe it has to become welded in our hearts again that we never lose it. 
that we are hungry to see a nation changed, a county changed, our family members changed. Number one, when it comes to our former state before Christ, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. I've said this, but let me just hammer this a little more. We weren't just morally inept. You understand? You see, a lot of people preach the gospel this way. Listen, Jesus wants you to have a better life, and he does. Jesus wants to help you, and he does. Jesus wants to heal you. He wants to promote you. He wants to give you a better job. He wants the blessing and the favor on you. And there's a part of that that is so real, and he he does all those things. But let me tell you something, friend. Jesus is not Santa Claus. He's a king. He's a Lord, and he's a savior. And he laid his life down for you in a radical way so that you can experience his radical love through the transforming power of the gospel. Why? Because we were dead. We were dead. Listen to John, the third chapter. Jesus speaking to the Pharisee. Nicodemus came from the Pharisees, it says. And he knew that that Jesus was doing miracles and he was a great teacher but he was somewhat puzzled as he looked at him and he he didn't fully understand that he was really the the messiah and jesus answered and said to nicodemus most assuredly i say to you unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of god verse 7 do not marvel that i said to you you must be born again you see in our spiritual state when we are in that death mode without Christ, our, our God consciousness, in other words, our ability to see the kingdom of God is basically extinct. We can see the peripheral, we can go to a church, we can hear things, but until we are born again by the spirit of God, my friend, we are not really able to, to really bite into this thing, if I could say it that way. You see, I I remember whenever I would, you know, do drugs and things like that, because I was always scared I was going to die, or at times I was. So I remember, like, going to bed. You know, I was raised, my my father was a Roman Catholic, and my mother, um, you know, was raised Baptist. So I had a certain level of religion and even certain level of fear of God. So I remember at nights whenever I was just so wasted, and I would go to bed and I would pray, Dear Lord, a, B, C, D, E, F, that's funny, but I would pray the alphabet because I knew that that would cover everything. God would, every word's in the alphabet, so this is my weird way of doing it, but I knew that, forgive me, God, help me, God, say, in other words, but it was just a religious action that I would do, but there was no life. There was, it was just dead words being spoken, but when I was born again, my friend, my, my, my cognizance or my, my consciousness, my awareness of God became so upfront in my face. I, I was so transformed. My life was so changed. I, knew, I didn't understand it all. I didn't understand this thing about preaching, but I knew that God had called me somehow and that I had to spend the rest of my life with a passion to preach the gospel. I heard an old preacher once said, actually you probably heard of him, Leonard Ravenhill, or some of you have, in his later years, he made this statement. He said, when preaching becomes a profession and ceases to be a passion, quit preaching. And listen, I, I, I stand before you today not trying to sound super spiritual because, you know, we all go through the same type of trials. But I'm telling you, 
I have such a passion for the power of the gospel to be demonstrated in my nation right now. I have stood in fields around the world. I I was just a, a distinct memory in a place called Bow City, Sierra Leone, Africa, West Africa, about three years ago now, preaching that night to seven, eight, it's hard to tell exactly because of the the crowd and the the dim lighting, but at least seven, 8,000 Muslims in a field one night. And I am preaching the gospel like I would preach the gospel to a second grade Sunday school class. Just the simplicity of the gospel. And I'm giving an altar call and I'm, I'm watching as people are coming to the altar and tears falling down the faces of people as they are being transformed by the truth of the power of the gospel and the love of Jesus. As many are coming forward, this might be foreign to some of you, manifestations of of demons throwing some to the ground and completely demonized, but the power of the gospel penetrating their lives and even casting demons out of people as they give their hearts to Jesus. What am I saying? The gospel is real. We were dead. Number two, we were also enslaved to spiritual darkness, sin, and self. Listen to Titus 3 in verse 3. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Friend, we were slaves to sin. The Bible says you serve one or two masters this morning. I, I, I was serving the enemy. I didn't realize it, but I was serving the enemy and pleasuring myself. It was all about self. I wanted a get out of hell free card, but I didn't know Jesus. You see, friend, you, you were dead. You were enslaved. Number three, before salvation, we were also Condemn, John 3, 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they hate or they have, no, sorry, they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. And we were condemned in our sin and in our trespasses. Again, and I'm not, I know this is preached here, but listen, I, I go a lot of different places. I, I promise you, The gospel has not been preached in a lot of places for decades now. And we have tried to invite people into a social setting where we might sneak Jesus on them. But they don't know the power of the gospel. They don't know the radical price that Jesus paid. And I believe it takes the preaching of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit to bring conviction and godly sorrow that leads to repentance which opens up the floodgates of of joy. Let me close with these three thoughts. Not only are there three realities to our life before Christ, but this morning let me share three truths regarding personal transformation. Number one, we are transformed through the beautiful doorway of repentance. Can I tell you something? Repentance is not a negative word. I've actually had an experience where a leader that asked me to come and speak, um, this is several years ago, maybe seven, eight years ago, he said, man, Keith, I really love your preaching and, you know, we, we've enjoyed seeing you on, online and stuff. 
He said, but if you come and preach, you know, there's just some things that, that I would ask. You know, don't use the word repentance and, you know, don't use like the blood and the cross because it, 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 it scares people. And I, and I never want to be one that just gets up and just takes a machine gun and just mows people down. But, but listen to me, friend. There has to be a presentation of the truth of the gospel. Man has to know that they are lost in their sins. And as a minister of the gospel, I can't just give them an attaboy and say everything's going to be okay when it's not okay. I have to lovingly not be obnoxious and belligerent, but I have to lovingly let them know that there is still one way to heaven. That Acts 4.12 still says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That Jesus is still the way, the truth, and the life. There are not alternative forms of salvation or discipleship. There is one gospel that sets the captive free. And whenever we cease to bring the message of the cross and repentance, then as a preacher, I believe that I stand guilty before God of withholding the truth of the gospel. Paul said, when he was speaking to the elders of Ephesus at Miletus right before he died, as he had set his face towards Jerusalem, he said, listen, I don't have the blood of anyone on my hands. He was faithful to preach and teach the gospel. Luke 5, 32, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. As the church, we must rediscover that true repentance does not lead us to despair or condemnation, but it leads us to the joy of the Lord. You see, when Jesus calls us to repent, he's not calling us to beat up ourselves or, or merely to clean up our own lives. Instead, he is calling us to a radical change of heart, coupled with a glorious lifestyle, this abundant life. You see, the root problem is not an external problem. I used to be around people that there was such a focus on the outside and there were good people. And I, you know, I, I'm still in fellowship with some of these people on a certain level, but, but there was so much attention on the outside and what we looked like and how we presented ourselves that there was a negating of the inward condition of the heart. And you see, friend, I, I have found the gospel transforms me from the inside out, not from the outside in. It's the gospel of repentance that changes our hearts. Number two, we are awakened to the spiritual, supernatural realm of faith through the gospel. Romans 5, 1 and 2, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. How many of you thank God for faith? You see, when I was born again, faith was awakened in my heart. I believed. And I'm going to tell you something. As I have walked this pathway now for over three decades, there have been times when the challenges of salvation, because, listen, they that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, the Bible says. Don't think, listen, even though there are some people that preach that if you come to Jesus, everything is going to just be easy. I'm telling you, you come to Jesus and don't think that the devil is going to sit back and say, good job, now you're with Jesus, I'm going to leave you alone. 
I found that, that all hell tries to steal your joy, steal your family, steal your passion, steal your prayer life, steal your money, steal everything, your marriage. He'll come against everything. But listen, by faith, through transformation, we stand in the supernatural power of the gospel. And we know that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus this morning. That we are not relegated to death, hell, or the grave. That we live in the kingdom of God, even while Paul said we are currently seated with Christ in heavenly places. And when all hell assails against us, Jesus is greater still. You see, friend, this is salvation. This is what it means to be a child of God. I'm going to give you one more point. Um, Priscilla, if you guys would just come back this morning. Not only do we experience the beauty of repentance, not only is faith awakened in our hearts, but lastly this morning, we are allotted grace for a life of obedience. Listen to John 14, 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to them and make our home, our abode with them. Does that kind of blow your mind? In other words, when we are born again and we love Jesus with all of our hearts, Jesus says, listen, the whole Trinity comes and makes their abode in our lives. I don't know about you, but that, that makes a person want to shout a little bit. <laughs> Friend, listen to me. My obedience is not relegated on the fact that I'm obedient because I'm called to be a preacher. My obedience is not connected to some list of I should do this and I should not do that. My obedience is stimulated by God's nature himself, the grace of God. The divine love surges through my being. And even when, oh, Keith, because we are still body, soul, and spirit, and we are walking out our salvation, we are saved we are being saved and we will ultimately be saved. And that's, a, that's a teaching that maybe I could do sometime in the future. But listen, we are walking out our salvation. I am sealed by the blood of Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. But listen to me, when Keith tries to arise, there is a force of grace. It is not my nature. It's the nature of God that transformed me. There is a grace in my life that pushes me sometimes. Brother, I'll feel that hand of grace in my back. And at the times when I felt like just laying this thing down because it's so painful. And if you've served God, I tell preachers, if you've never come to a place that you're just tired of being in the ministry, then you're probably not really even in the real ministry. But listen, when I, I've come to those places where the, the pain, the betrayal, the, the pressure is so great, I feel a hand of grace in my back. Why? Because I've been born again by the Spirit of God. My obedience is not, read, is not predicated upon me presenting myself before a group of people this morning so that you think I'm saved. And No, my obedience is divinely connected to a grace that is stimulated by the revelation of how much Jesus loves me and gave himself for me. Would you stand with me this morning, church? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I want you just to bow your heads before the Lord this morning.
I want you to know above and beyond everything else that Jesus loves us this morning. He loves you. And I believe that that he's allowed you to be here this morning because he wants you to experience the fullness of salvation. Now I know in a room this size with this many people that there are some in this room that you've never Ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. This morning, I believe that the Lord is calling upon hearts. I believe that the Holy Spirit is talking to some of you. And maybe you've even been in church and maybe you've experienced church for many years, but but you've never really been born again by the Spirit of God. And this morning, you feel the Lord speaking to your heart. I believe that the Lord wants to set some of you free here today. Friend, that the power of the blood of Jesus is as much real in February of 2021 as it was the day that Jesus shed his blood over 2,000 years ago. And the power of that gospel is still setting hearts free. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've, you know, you've just kind of been going through the motions and, and, and you love God, but, but you know that, that, that your life is really not what the Lord wants it to be. And you need to experience that, that grace that empowers you to walk in obedience. Maybe there's things in your life that, that the Lord is dealing with this morning and he, he wants to break those things off for you so that you can enjoy and experience what it means to really know him. And he's here this morning. There might even be some of you that maybe you've been coming and attending or maybe this is your first time and you're saying, you know what, I, I need a family like this and, and this is a morning that, that you need to maybe officially say, I need, I need a church family and you want to come and maybe become a member of River of Life because of what the Lord is doing here and you need to be connected. Friend, it's so important. If the Lord is, is dealing with your heart, any of these areas... I. I want to open these altars this morning and I know Pastor Henry's here, Pastor Chuck, I'm here and we want to just allow the Lord to minister to your heart. If you're here this morning and the Lord is dealing with your life in any of these areas, as we begin to sing, would you come this morning? Would you allow Jesus to bring freedom? Would you allow the Lord to to make himself real to you? If you've never been born again, friend, what an amazing morning to accept Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. Church, you begin to pray with me as the Holy Spirit begins to deal with hearts. These altars are open. Friend, would you come this morning in Jesus' name? Thank you, Lord.